Insights on Responsible Business is a podcast about organizations building trust, security, and resilience to thrive in a new era of uncertainty and stakeholder capitalism. Our host is Sir Rob Wainwright. With a career-long experience of navigating complex risk and security issues, he talks with business leaders and experts about their challenges and experiences in becoming more responsible businesses towards an outcome that is better for all stakeholders, better for long-term shareholder value, and better for society as a whole. Miriam de Blecourt is a partner at Baker McKenzie. She leads the Amsterdam Employment and Pensions Law Practice Group and has frequently been named the best female employment lawyer in Europe. She's also a member of the Dutch Senate since 2019 and sits on various boards, including the African Parks Foundation and Rutgers. She has been committed to diversity and the equal treatment of women for years, thinks about the implications of AI on the future of law, and has also recently written a book sharing her story called Freigevochten, or Free Spirited. Rob and Miriam talk about what it takes to lead in the era of responsible business. Thank you very much, Rodney. Welcome back, listeners. And a fantastic welcome to you, Miriam. Thank you for being with us in our virtual podcast room today. Well, you've had a very successful career in many areas. As we've been hearing from Rodney, you're widely regarded as one of the best employment lawyers in Europe, a board member of a leading law firm, a member of the Dutch Senate as well. And somehow in your spare time, you managed to write a book and had that published very recently, a very influential book here in the Netherlands, well, I don't know where you get the energy from. I admire it, I have to say. I mean, the book is, is quite a compelling story about how you broke through that glass ceiling to rise to the top as a woman in business. I wondered, Miriam, why was it important for you to, to write that book? Yeah, thank you for having me, first of all. I really look forward to this podcast and, uh, and thanks again for uh, inviting me to it. And then coming back to your question... Um, yeah, 2019, the book was published and it was a moment for me that everything came together, basically. Uh, everything what uh, I did in my career and, and what I did next to my career. So by then I was a regular speaker at universities, at women network events and, and other gatherings and young people. Uh, not only women always asked me, how did you do it? And what are your tips and are there tricks? And afterwards, one w- woman came to me and said, oh, how I wish I could listen to your tips every day and they could inspire me and I could uh, carry on. And that idea stuck in my head, uh, uh, but I didn't do anything with it. I was always thinking, oh, too busy, too busy, you know, how that, how that is. And then I was called by a publisher called Prometheus, a Dutch publisher, and um, a young woman uh, worked there and she said, well, I want to ask you to write a book. And I said, well, I'm not 90. I can't write a book about myself. I don't have a lot to tell. And she said, well, but you could inspire younger uh, male and female. And I said, well, that's something I would like to do. By then I had met a young girl, um, uh, her name is Emma Posma. She was 24 by then and she did the School of Journalism. And her big dream was becoming a journalist for the Linda magazine. It's a famous magazine in, in the Netherlands. And I said, well, why don't we write a book together? 
and then you can apply for a job at Linda. And so that's what we did. We sat together for four months. Um, we, we called every day. We went out for dinner, which was possible by then, no COVID then. And, uh, and, and we made that together. And the nice thing is she now has a job at Linda. So that's, uh, yeah, that's why I wanted to do it. <laughs> How did you have the time to do that? I mean, I think it's a great story to hear that there you are, you know, a very busy corporate lawyer having enough time then to, to help someone, a, a young person, you know, at the start of her career. So why was that important to you, you know, I suppose to give back in that way, but, but to invest that, that time as well? It's something that was important to you as a leader? Yes. Yeah, it, it has always been important to, uh, the let's say, the women case always close to my heart. And uh, I've always tried to inspire younger people but and, and also... Uh, well, male and female, and always fought for equality in that sense, uh, diversity, but mainly inclusion. I think inclusion is more important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I might ask you about that later in our conversation. I'm, I'm interested, though, great that you, you, know, you, you, you are acting as this role model and helping uh, younger people. What tips are you passing on in your book, but also when you sit down with 24-year-old people that have these great career ambitions what, from your experience, were the, the real secrets to your success? Yeah, uh, I think there are a few. I've thought about it by writing the book, basically, because before that I, I didn't really think about what did it take. Um, it, it, it is difficult to become a partner in a law firm. I mean, it's for everyone it's difficult, but it's a bit more difficult for women. And it was at that time, and I think it still is. So... Uh, I thought, like, just carry on. <laughs> carry on, have a plan B. If something doesn't work out, have a plan B. That will always help you, I think. Uh, resilience does help. Don't take things too personally. If you get back your work all red and, and all strike through, you think, like, oh, my God, you can sit and <laughs> you want to cry in the well, we've all Well, we've all been there, haven't we, Maria? Yes, <laughs> But I think like it's not personally, it's not like, oh, your, your, your work is really crap, but it's more to make you better. And, and once you, once you change your mind in that mindset, it's, life's a lot easier, you know? And yeah. also like, um, be a positive person. Um, there, there's ne negativity. You can see everything with a negative glasses on, but also with positive glasses on. It's not always easy. And I think it's always also who I am. But I think you can also learn that. I w I'm interested. Uh, um, I mean, these are, these are great leadership lessons. I, I just wonder, you, you talked earlier about, you, for you, what was important was around gender equality. So of those, you know, features, characterizations of a good leader, what stands out for you uh, in, in terms of, helping women to rise to the top what is particularly important for for female leaders do you think well i think it's 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 important to have male and female leaders because male understand men and and women understand women well that's ge generally speaking the the case so i understand if you ask like oh there's a nice board position who would like to do that i mean men will generally raise their hand easier than, than women, but that doesn't mean that 
that women don't want to do that job. So I would like, I would ask, but but isn't it something for you? So I would reach out to a woman uh, and 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 empower her and and make her a leader uh, rather than wait until she raises her hand. Did you uh, did you have that? You know, you talk about you know being a, a role model. Did you have that role model? Did you have that support, perhaps from other women, uh, as as you were? Yes, you did. I did. Yeah. Now, now that you ask that question, I did. Yes, and that woman was Christine Lagarde, and no one has asked me that question before. It's funny, but now that you say that, yes, it's Christine Lagarde. She was the um, chair of of Baker McKenzie worldwide, and um, I met her. Uh, like at a very early stage in my career, and I saw her. She she was also a labor lawyer in in my field area of law within Baker, and I always thought like, okay, she stands there before uh, uh, in front of a group. She looks confident. She makes jokes. Uh, you don't have to be that always that all serious if you speak for groups. Uh, but she was also always very well prepared. And at a certain stage when it was difficult um, in my career, she she reached out to me and said, well, uh, what would you really like? What's important to you? And I was able to speak to her. And yeah, that make, made all the difference. So I think it's also important to make people feel Hurt, maybe is the, is that the right yeah. English expression? I understand. Yeah, so feel included. Yeah, yeah, feel included. I mean, that's a great role model, Christine Lagarde. She's gone on to yes. even greater things, of course. So, so yes. I mean, you talk there also about getting out and being being confident. I suppose. Uh, I mean, one thing I struck about in your book is that, that it's also quite a personal and very frank and on, on, on an honest portrayal. Really, it's interesting that you talk about the need for leaders. Um, you know, talk about their insecurities as well. It's, uh, yes. So, absolutely, get out there and be heard. But, but also, I suppose it's about your insecurities. What, what did you mean by that? Yes. Um, I, I've always uh, tried to, in interviews and especially in my book, be open and frank also to the negative things that happen to you at work or uh, when you felt hurt, maybe. Not hurt, but hurt. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and and then how how did I cope with it? And hopefully that can help other people. And uh, yes, when I didn't make it to partnership at first round, what did I do? What did I feel? Um, and also, but also having having small children and and working hard and. Uh, how did I cope if, if other women or maybe men said, well, why do you have children? Because you only work and that hurts. And then how do you react to that? Or um, uh, will your children be uh, social social human beings? Because the mother's never there to sit with tea and, and be kind and, and nice or whatever. And then my husband had a very good like one-liner and one-liners help you a lot in life. I said at every uh, social event we had and I was confronted with this question, uh, which was a lot, I said like, okay, let's let's look in, in 15 years time, which children are more social human beings, your children or mine. And that keeps the heat up heat out of it and people think oh maybe I'm doing the wrong thing so that's that was like a that. very very no, good tip I, I mean I, yeah. like, I like that a lot and I, you know you hear that a lot from a lot of 
uh, women in business, you know, that is, is a great way of, of, of capturing that story. I guess in a corporate law firm, surrounded by a lot of men, you know, uh, I guess it's always challenging. It must have been for you as, as, as you were trying to break through that proverbial glass ceiling. I heard this little story as well about you working with famous footballers in, in, in the Netherlands, Johan Cruyff, the most yes. famous of all, and others. And, yes. you know, it must be intimidating even to powerful men to have these sort of idols that they are to many people, to, you know, to have them as your clients or whatever business environment you have. How do you deal with that? I mean, being a confident woman, is it, was it okay for you? Were you also intimidated? I'm just interested in how you deal with those situations. Oh yeah, no, I didn't feel intimidated at all by the football players. No, I, I, I didn't even know who they were, to be honest. And that was really silly. And I should maybe never have said that. But when I was called to meet the, the trainers and, uh, uh, well, it were, were the, the most famous football players. I knew of Johan Cruyff, but he wasn't involved in the first round. So it was like Dennis Bergkamp and, and many others that are uh, really, really famous. And uh, I, will, I was called and, and I drove there in my car with a junior uh, guy. And uh, he was just uh, feeling really excited. Like, wow, this is so exciting. And we came into, it, it's called the Toekomst. It's, uh, it's um, at Ajax and, and we were on the Ajax ground. And I came in and I was with my notebook and said, okay, so all the football players there said, okay, can I have your names? Because that's just what you normally do. And they were looking at me like, wow, this, she's just crazy. It was funny. Good and later they told me, well, that, that took, yeah, that, that made that we, well, one of the elements that, that we choose uh, uh, to work with you. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was not good. starstruck. If I would have known who they were, I, maybe I would have been in problems to be No, but there's also some, but I wasn't, yeah. there's something, in, in, you know, it's about integrity, isn't it? And being professional, whoever the, the client is. But that, that's, that's a great story. Listen, Miriam, I'm interested in, if we, if we think about the broader issues, not just a gender equality, but within the broader context of inclusion and diversity, it's something you mentioned as well. How do you see the world today and also the world of business? Uh, you know, are we in a better place now than 30 years ago when you, you started your career? How, how do you see that? Um, it has certainly has improved, yes. Um, I mean, there are there, uh, the tone at the top has certainly changed. I mean, that is definitely the case, which is really helpful. Uh, there are bias trainings all over the world, basically, not only in the Netherlands, but, but also in the Netherlands. Companies say it's important, they see it's important. But as you well know, it's not easy to change. And change never goes Quickly, so it, for me it takes too long. You know, I'm, I'm, I think, well, we need to need to speed it up, and why can't we do it overnight? And why does it take so long? But I've learned it. It just takes time, and and if it has taken time and it's ingrained in everyone's mind that this is important, it will stick longer, and it will really, it will work out. Hopefully. I think, well, I mean, in my experience, <laughs> yeah. we're dealing with ingrained cultures, of course, and culture uh, cultures are always the, the hardest and longest to change. Um, sometimes yeah. what helps are special events that can trigger or accelerate that that process of change, of course. And this year, well, we, you know, we, we've, yeah. of course, struggled with the pandemic, but also in terms of inclusion diversity, you know, some of the issues, underlying issues in society that the, that the uh, terrible killing of George Floyd 
yeah. perhaps showed us as well. I mean, how, how did you see that, um, really? How did you yeah. reflect on what was happening? Yeah. So, yes, the, the Floyd and, and Dirk Wiersum in the Netherlands, uh, mm. which is... Uh, uh, which will... Yeah, it, that, that all came as a, as a real... As a shock. And, and, and hopefully from this shock, like a crime against all we stand for, you know, freedom, safety, security, our constitutional state. It's a crime against the heart of our values, as far as I'm concerned. And I, I, I'd like to think and hope to think that, that from this shock, something good will come, that people will unite and say, well, this is just not acceptable. We have to change. And that that hopefully that change will, or that shock will trigger a quicker change. But um, after that, I mean, so many people were, were really devastated. And also, well, it, it's also insecure. You feel insecure. You, you th- I mean, uh, what's help, uh, happened in, in Vienna recently. And so, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, I've not recovered yet from all that news. No, <laughs> no. You know, my yeah. former career, you know, I, I was involved a little bit in responding to these terrible terrorist attacks in Paris and so on. And you see see the human tragedy and the cost of that. You mentioned also what happened in Vienna recently. You know, it, it, it is shocking. Yes, I think you're right. It does lead to sort of moments of insecurity by all of us. I, you know, you, you're describing... The change has to come from the heart of our values. I like that description. Um, I get a sense maybe that, that, you know, business leaders are also, you know, accepting that they need to be part of that process from, they need to be part of protecting, enhancing our values. And did you get the idea also that business leaders are also waking up to this and and accepting this broader responsibility in terms of what it means for society? You see that. I see that. I think they, they feel responsible for that. Uh, and, and, and they feel that, that if we want to change something, it, it starts with, with our business leaders. I mean, not only in the Netherlands, but I think, well, broader. Uh, so it's a, it's a call upon all, all of our leaders, basically. But it's, uh, if, we, if we make it uh, small to our to our leadership in the Netherlands, in in society, in all of our uh, um, companies, yeah. Well, so it's a, yeah. Well, uh, that's, that's a good sign. It's a positive sign at a time when we need it, you know, from, as you say, the heart of our values. Well, Miriam, you've been at the heart of our values um, in terms of this podcast series, a wonderful uh, um, description from you today about what it means to be responsible, successful in business in the right way. Thank you for, for being such a great guest. Uh, um, it's been wonderful talking to you today. So get out from behind that desk and show you're there. Be confident, but also be honest in facing up to your insecurities. Well, these are among the secrets to success behind the rise of one of the top female lawyers in Europe. Some of these leadership lessons, Miriam has told us, are especially relevant for women in business as broader challenges of inclusion and diversity remain a feature of our working environment. Leaders like Miriam set powerful examples for others to follow. They also challenge the system and the remaining hurdles we face in getting to a better, fairer place. And doing that in business also carries a positive impact on society as a whole. 
in a year in which we have been challenged not only by the effects of a pandemic, but by other notable events, such as the killing of George Floyd. So issues of inclusion and diversity have real-world effects. And increasingly, as we just heard from Miriam, business leaders are accepting their need to own some of the responsibility for making the change we all still need. Miriam's story is an inspiring one. Her free-spirited journey to the top, to use the English translation of her book's title, will encourage many others, some of whom are already helping to shape corporate life around a more prominent agenda of responsible business. Thanks for listening to another episode of Insights on Responsible Business. Hope you enjoyed it and will tune in to our next episode. Review us on Spotify, the iTunes podcast app, or whatever popular podcast app you're using. And find out more on Deloitte.nl.